Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. This is Sarah Bowen Shea, and I am with Sage Roundtree. And we are going to talk about Racing Wisely. Racing Wisely, because we are here with an audience of, here with a group of women at our Another Mother Runner Run Plus Refresh Retreat. And you all are running slash racing the Happy Girls Spokane race tomorrow. So this is um, pretty applicable stuff. You might be feeling like this is some advice you want. So. Yeah, when you hear you're running slash racing tomorrow, do you have a visceral response? Yeah? What did that feel like? A punch in the gut? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Butterflies. Just a little one, just a smack. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's good. It's good to care about things. That's wouldn't, a good way of looking at wouldn't it. Wouldn't life be dreary if you're like, oh, yeah, time to make the donuts. <laughs> time to race the half marathon. You'd be like my 14-year-old daughter all the time, <laughs> not caring about anything. <laughs> it's good. That's how you know you're alive. And sometimes you mm-hmm. have to get that kick in the gut feeling and the butterflies. And I think it, that the reward is proportional to the uh, excitement you feel beforehand. Well, and it's also, I remind myself, I, I um, used to feel more acutely this way when I was a, a little bit more of a novice racer, but I'd always think, oh, I signed up to do this. Like, <laughs> I chose to do this. Like, if I hadn't signed up, I wouldn't be facing this. And instead, now I try to turn that same phrase into a positive that mm. I chose to do this. Mm-hmm. I, you know, get to do this. I wanted to do this. I wanted to see what I could do. And now, Let's see what all those months and weeks of training can mm-hmm. produce. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's hammer time. <laughs> hammer time. <Yeah>. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> bom, bom, bom. Oh, we did promise a dance party. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> My capris are a little fitted. They need to be looser, <laughs> droopier in the crotch to do that. <laughs> so, Sage, you have a whole book called Racing Wisely. I do, and I brought some copies down for those of you who are here in person. And if you're not here in person, mm-hmm. which sounds kind of weird while I'm looking at people and saying that. But yeah. if you want to pick one up later, it's available online. Um, also as an ebook, and... If you like listening to my voice, you can hear me read the entire book oh, to nice. you. Oh, nice. I did not know you At audible.com. Yes, in fact, if you have an Audible Unlimited membership, it's there for you. So feel free to listen to it, and it would be part of your Unlimited membership. I spent six years in public radio. So if you listen to the book and fall asleep, now you'll know why. <laughs> <laughs> when I get in front of the mic, I kind of go into my <laughs> WUNC voice. Oh, my goodness. All right, so what do you have like the top three tips for racing wisely, or do we want to approach it with an attitude? Attitude. Attitude, yes. Well, it's all about attitude. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, and attitude is part of uh, the shtick of racing wisely. So the subtitle of Racing Wisely is A Practical and Philosophical Guide to Performing at Your Personal Best. And if I can unpack that, I think that'll yeah. hit the top three. Go for it. Unpack. Unpack. We're at a hotel. Unpack. <laughs> so it's. Both practical and philosophical. Practical in the sense that it says, like, figure out what you want to wear, figure out what you want to eat, and gives you lots of tips about all of the logistics. Because the logistics are super important, and the logistics are in your control. And you shouldn't feel a punch in the gut when you consider, wait, what am I going to wear? You've already got that figured out. And if you haven't, well, that's on you. You might (laughs) investigate whether you're self-sabotaging, because you have plenty of time from the moment you hit the submit button to start to figure out all those little particulars. And your training is where you get to tweak and figure out the answers to all of those variables. So the book offers practical advice, but you as smart women can figure out, oh, I need to figure out how to control the things that I can control. Then it's also philosophical because you need to understand um, your motivation for being there. What's the attitude that you want to bring to the race? What was the attitude that you had in mind when you did hit the submit button? And as Sarah says, I remember I wanted to do this. Mm -hmm. You need to really connect to the why you wanted to do it. And that might mean you actually spend some time in self-assessment before you even commit to something so that you can choose the right race 
for you to achieve a personal best at. And then you get to decide what qualifies as personal best. What is it? And what is the attitude that'll help get you there? So the book helps you do some self-investigation and figure out what's the philosophy that I want to take into the race. Because while a lot of the logistics are in your control, there are inevitably, even in a 5K, things that are out of your control, like the weather, and other racers, mm -hmm. and parts of the course, and all of those strangenesses that seem to come up on race day. So when you're really clear on the practical logistics, then you can manage the things that are in your control. And when you're really clear on the attitude you want to carry in, what I would call in, as a yoga teacher, intention, then you can manage the things, you can find a way to gracefully cope with the things that are out of your control. So you can still maintain your attitude because ultimately that attitude is the only thing you're in control of. So the wisely in the title of racing wisely is really code. And yes, it's a play on my name. <laughs> but it's also code for the serenity prayer because we need to figure out how to have the wisdom to discern what's in our control and the serenity to cope with what's out of our control. And when you're really clear on your goals and your logistics, but then also really clear on your intention and your attitude, then you're ready to rock it. Mm. That's how you get your personal best. Mm -hmm. Intriguing. So then, given that we are the day before the race, what what <laughs> what should they? <laughs> what type of? <laughs> By now, you should have the logistics figured out, and. We are right after lunch, as, as we're talking right now. You've got some downtime after this. You can go lay out your flat Stanley. <laughs> and with all your clothes, like, get all that set. You don't have to think about it. Don't second guess. Whatever you used in training, that's what you want to be working on. And a lot of races are sabotaged by picking up something at the expo and deciding, oh, that's cute. I want to wear that. So if you came to hit a particular time goal, it's not the time to be fiddling with that. Um, it's also a nice time to just get quiet and still and think about, well, what is the attitude that I want to carry through? But you probably already know the answers to these questions. They should be pretty evident, and they should have become self-evident over the course of the training cycle, not just the logistics of what you'll wear and what the right um, pace is to start your race at, but also why. But you can take some time this afternoon, get your feet up once you set your clothes out, and think about What's the attitude I want? And once you're committed to that attitude, you might be able to distill it into a phrase or even a one or two word mantra that you can come back to when stuff gets tough tomorrow. Because if you're pushing yourself, it's going to get tough. And the sooner you can accept that it's going to get tough and figure out what your strategy is going to be for managing it, the better you'll do. You talk about that quiet time. To me, that is so critical before a race. And that sometimes I get kind of freaked out thinking I'm not going to have that quiet time. And I knew that before I ran Boston this year, I just kept thinking, I need to have that quiet time. I need to have that quiet time. And so really, you know, setting it aside and being very protective of it. Right. And, um, and if it, it can only be 15 minutes, make good use of that 15 minutes. Right. Yeah. Put the phone away. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Don't turn on the TV. Right. Yeah. Don't call the family. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And that's what is such a luxury for us being here on retreat is we don't have our families with us. Mm -hmm. So we can really block out that quiet time. Right. Right. Yeah. That is, um, I find uh, one great thing about doing away races. Yeah. It's okay. So you don't have all your clothes there. So, you, so when it ends up being chillier than you thought, you know, then you don't have that great long sleeve shirt, but it also means that you don't have to make dinner for your family the mm -hmm. night before mm -hmm. you can, you know, nobody's going to wake you up in the middle of the night cause they threw up on their sheets. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's pros and cons to it, but I setting aside that time and honoring that time mm -hmm. and I think, you know, thinking that there's no right or wrong, maybe what gets done mm -hmm. in that time, mm -hmm. but just really bringing yourself back to, again, you saying your attitude and the why you signed up for it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then what else should they be doing today that will help them be racing wisely tomorrow? Managing energy. And that's what you've been pointing to with this quiet time, but getting off your feet is really useful. And I know you start to feel antsy and you've if you've been tapering for a race, this particularly becomes an issue. You think, oh, I got to work it off. Or, hey, I'm in a new place. I need to go out sightseeing. Mm -hmm. mm -mm. This is the time to pick a show and lie there. <laughs> and just watch Mozart in the Jungle. <laughs> watch Bosch. I started Bosch yesterday. I can't wait to watch I don't think I know Bosch. either one of those shows. Oh, they're both Amazon original series. Oh, look at that. Yeah. All right. Okay. I, uh, 
Stranger Things. I finally started Stranger tuning Things into Stranger Things, but I can't, mm-hmm. don't want to, um, Jack and I are up through uh, episode four, and uh-huh. I think it's wrong to watch it, you know, without them. So I think I would need to find my own. Yeah, so a sidebar, it's good to have some things that are just for you. Oh, yeah. And I have some shows that are just for me. Like, I watched all of The Americans. It was just for me. And so I didn't have to do it on anybody else's schedule. Yep. And this is a question of managing energy. And an, another sidebar, it's like a, a yeah, sidebar, sidebar 1-2-A, <laughs> is... Um, for, for Amazon, and this is an unpaid endorsement, if you have Amazon Prime and Amazon Instant Video, you can download. So oh, you're not reliant. Really? Yes. So you can watch it on an airplane. Exactly. You're not reliant on Wi-Fi, like hotel Wi-Fi or streaming. So you can put a certain number of um, both shows and movies onto your device to watch at your leisure. That is good to know. It is when you're talking about like having some quiet time and downtime. <laughs> nobody needs to know you because you're not using the Wi-Fi. <laughs> you can be in airplane mode and still watch. <laughs> the show that I have tuned back into is so not hip like your two or your three <laughs> suggestions. I uh, call the midwife. Oh, that's supposed to be sweet. It's very darling. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so and I for, kind of forgot about it. And then I'm like, wait, there's season four. <laughs> I started tuning back into it. Yeah. So all great suggestions for that quiet downtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, and then getting to sleep early, not drinking too much. Uh, right. Well, last night was more important than tonight for sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the, I hope that's good news because it's too late now. <laughs> it's too late now. If you can take a nap this afternoon, you can um, refill some of the well if it was tough to sleep last night because you were in a new hotel room. That's always a little difficult to sleep the first night. But don't get upset if it's 1 a.m. and you're still lying there tonight. At least you're horizontal. Mm-hmm. And you can lead yourself, guide yourself through progressive relaxation. Don't get hung up on the total number of hours of sleep tonight. Mm-hmm. It's nice if you can get to bed on the early side for you. But if you get in bed too early, then what happens? Then you Either you fall there, asleep and, and you wake up in the middle of the night, or mm-hmm. you just lie there for a while. Yeah. Which is where Mozart in the Jungle comes back. In. <laughs> it's very light. It's just a half-hour comedy. You'll love it. <laughs> It won't give you nightmares. <laughs> oh, good. Like Stranger Things. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, you know, should we talk about drinking? Oh, yeah. sure. We- you don't want to go on a binge tonight. But if having a glass or a glass and a half of wine is going to help you relax and that's part of your regular routine, hey. Yeah. Yeah. Dim's a big believer in beer. A beer yeah. the night before. Carbo carbs. load. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All right. So then race morning. Ah. Before you get there. Mm-hmm. What are some... Uh, you know, things they can do to make sure that it's a smart approach to the starting line. It all depends on what you've been doing in training and what's worked for you because your training becomes your dress rehearsal. So it's useful to have a ritual. And if you have that ritual, then you don't have to think quite so much. It frees up some RAM, some brain power. (laughs) So you're just going through the motions. This is what I do. Last night in our podcast recording, Dimity was talking about peanut butter and banana. Mm -hmm. And that's nice. There's a ritual around it. Ritual is really important in um, just helping you stay the course. Not just on race morning, but when you're talking about recovery practices, the things that you do after the race or between between workouts, like after your long run. it's not that any one thing is the particular magic bullet for recovery, and it's not like any one thing is going to get you in exactly the right headspace, but when there's a combination of getting up early enough to have two cups of coffee and make two bathroom visits and have your peanut butter and your uh, banana and listen to Eminem or whatever it is that psychs you up for your race, that's your ritual. And all together, they create this really nice container for a good performance. So whatever has been working for you, do that. That's a good one. Yeah. I, I guess I never thought of my whole, you know, thing of noon, you know, that I drank right before I head out the door. I never thought of that as a ritual. But it I, is. But I definitely mm-hmm. can't start a run or go to a race without doing that. And there's great comfort in ritual. Mm-hmm. There sure is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also having that ritual then helps make sure you haven't forgotten anything. Yes. Yeah. Which is key. Yes. Um, okay. So then you're getting to the start line. What are you a, how much warm up are you? suggesting again it it totally depends on what you've done in training and it also depends on what your goal is Mm -hmm. so if your goal is to race a fast 5k you shouldn't just come walking out of the parking lot and stand on the line (laughs) (laughs) and take off you're gonna need to do a Mm warm-up and that warm-up would include some efforts at the pace which you 
intend to begin the race so that you're primed and ready to do that. Um, if you're there to run the half marathon and you know you want to use the first mile as a warm-up, then what you do beforehand is less important. Mm -hmm. um, it's good to stay warm. You don't want to waste too much energy in um, shivering. So if that means that you're walking around or doing a light jog, absolutely fine. If it means you're sitting in your car and mm -hmm. listening to your pump-up music, that's totally fine, too. Again, it, it, it depends. But the longer the race, the shorter, obviously, your warm-up is going to need to be. The shorter the race, the more important your warm-up becomes. So now I find it can be kind of embarrassing to do a warm-up at a race because um, it just sort of labels you... Uh, person who thinks they're going to do well you care too much yeah, yeah yeah you don't seem cool yeah well because you know most of the people who are warming up that you see are really skinny dudes in split shorts mm -hmm. you know yeah and singlets and they're doing hop kick hop yeah. kick oh exactly all their dynamic warm-up drills yeah and, and you know uh, my coach for when I was doing the the 10k had me doing things like that and it's like oh look at the 165 pound woman in the you know capris <laughs> and like it just sort of feels so I always try to find a um kind of a secreted area like I'll run mm -hmm. you know a half mile and right. then try to do it over there yeah. um yeah or I found a parking lot there weren't many people there was a private parking lot and they didn't let many people in I think we can flip the narrative though Sarah I don't think anybody else is like who does she think she is <laughs> they're probably like uh-oh she looks fast <laughs> but you do have to accept I mean if you're if you are wanting to bust a move you have to I guess wear a certain mantle of, mm -hmm. of caring about that or of, mm -hmm. of putting yourself out there yeah. because so that 10k that I did in July you know I there was no corrals there was no seating or anything like that they just were like oh you know faster people be at the front and so to then be like oh okay that that's mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. and to stand up there and I just and there's a lot of space you know it's the Pacific Northwest so no one wants to appear showy mm -hmm. or anything like that and so I'm like okay I'm really doing this like yeah you have to make yourself vulnerable mm -hmm. if you want to achieve greatness. Mm -hmm. You can't hide that light under a bushel and then expect people to see your light. Like, you're going to have to get out there and shine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was good. Then I saw a woman that I knew off to the side, and I'm like, oh, take a picture, take a picture. So um, and I'm like, take it horizontal. It's better for the blog. <laughs> 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 um, so, but yeah, I mean, it is, you know, going to a race is putting yourself out there. Yep. No matter what you're doing. Yep. No matter what your goal is. You Absolutely. Know. That yep. number is putting yourself out there. Mm -hmm. You pin it on. That is making a statement for sure. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I just wandered onto this course. What am I doing here? <laughs> right. Right. And so, I mean, do, do you have any thoughts on how to hold tightly to your goals while you're racing? Mm. Because I think it's, you can think, oh, I'm training for that July 9th race and I want to run a 50 something in that 10k and then then I get closer to it and closer to it and then I think oh I don't really need to do that like you know <laughs> like, and it just it's something that seems so firmly in your grasp can seem very slippery during the race absolutely that's why you need to be super clear before and also why I recommend some benchmark workouts over the course of the training cycle so you can get a good sense of where you are mm -hmm. because you don't want to a part of the, the slipperiness during the race is you start to doubt yourself and think, I'm not capable of doing this. It was too aggressive a goal. If you can do some self-tests along the way, either in shorter distance races, train through races, or out on the track, really giving it your best, then you'll know more, yeah, I am capable of this. And pay attention to the process that goes on in your brain during the course of your breakthrough workouts, of your, of your tougher workouts. Like, what is the self-talk? You'll be like, oh, I know this voice. I've heard her before, mm. and she always says this, but it's not real. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the so, but it's interesting because when you said listen to the voice you hear during breakthrough workouts, the voice that I heard in my head when you said that was positive. Great. Yeah. So, so see if you can swap it out. I think sometimes I talk about yes and no a lot, and and the if if I showed you my phone, the home screen says yes, mm. yes, and ultimately I think yes is a really good mantra. Because when you, if you start to hear negative self-talk, then you can say like, yeah, I hear you. And, and yes, I'm going to keep going at this pace. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's supposed to be hard. Yes, you should feel a kick in the gut if you're coming to lay something on the line in the race. You know, yes, it's going to feel increasingly intense as you mm -hmm. go on. And yes, you're going to feel great after or three minutes after mm -hmm. <laughs> once that effort's settled. But even you saying the word increasingly intense, I think it's important to find mm -hmm. positive words mm -hmm. for what that challenge is yep. going to be mm -hmm. because 
it's how you package something. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can give a really cheap present to somebody, but if it's wrapped all pretty, then, yeah. it, you know. <laughs> oh, you're so thoughtful. Um, <laughs> you know, so increasingly intense because I think it's too easy to think it's going to hurt, it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And those are very negative words. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to do you any favors out there on the course. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, then what are some other, I like increasingly intense um, yeah, well, there, you can recast it as intense. Is, is it productive intensity or is it pain? Well, productive intensity. Yeah, okay. and the, the productivity is in that you're learning about yourself. Mm-hmm. To me, that's what is truly great about racing is mm-hmm. learn what you learn about mm-hmm. yourself. And that when I have those doubts the night before, why did I sign up for this? Oh, this was my idea, bright idea. Um, <laughs> that, that, wow, what am I going to learn? I know I'm going to learn something. It might not be... Um, seem positive on the outset, but um, learning some, you know, I mean, we, some, you get, we're given a lot of opportunities in life to learn negative things about yourself. You know, <laughs> what, what you do when you're sitting in traffic, what you do when your kid brings home a lousy report card and to be able to set yourself up to learn something positive mm-hmm. is a very valuable thing. Mm-hmm. So I suggest you take note of that lesson and don't just let it come and go, write it down. And if you um, are fortunate enough to be a writer and get to share it with your public, that makes you super oh, accountable. I know. I know. Yep. But your journal is is really useful. And when not just when you finish the race, to write down what you learned from that race, to write down the phrases that were useful, um, to be as destru- descriptive as you can about how good it felt to be done, to be as descriptive as you can about what the increasing intensity <laughs> felt like, where you felt it, so that next time when you feel that again, you will remember. Because like childbirth, you're going to block it out <laughs> until you're back in it again. You'll be like, oh. oh, no, I remember this now. So if you can describe it as um, in as great detail as possible, that's going to be really useful to you when you sign up for the next one. But moving back from that, when you are going to sign up, make some notes right then about the why. Mm-hmm. And that'll guide you. That would be something even if we could rewind and you had done that 16 weeks ago or whenever you committed to do this race tomorrow, if you had then made a bunch of notes about why, tonight would be a great time to look at them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is so true about um, marking down what was intense about it because when I think back on the final straightaway in my 10K mm-hmm. and I think, oh, I couldn't push any harder. I, it was hard. It's even moments after it was over, it was hard for me to pinpoint. Was it because my lungs were straining so hard? Mm-hmm. Was it because my quads hurt so much? Would my hips not allow me to mm-hmm. move my legs any faster? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, and I, you know, only missed my goal by four seconds. So I think, well, there couldn't have been all that much holding me back, you know? Uh, <laughs> um, and then what about um, reevaluating goals kind of even after the fact? I um, am an eternal optimist, mm-hmm. and I always try to find something positive to pull out of mm-hmm. a race. And sometimes when I see a goal um, is with, not within my reach, like I'm thinking about Boston this year, that it was way too hot mm-hmm. at the, particularly for the first half. And you pretty much had to know when you towed the starting line that there was not going to be a time goal met. Mm-hmm. And so, and it was really, really tough through particularly the first um, about 10 or 11 miles. And, but I told myself, I, people had said it was going to be cooler the second half because there was going to be wind coming off the ocean. And I thought, I'm going to just crush the hills. I'm just going to power up the hills. And I thought, even though my finish time isn't going to be what I want, I can make those hills my bitches. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the, the GPS data proved it out. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And so that even though, yeah, you know, it was my, I don't know, my second slowest marathon or something, beat only by my other Boston because it was way too hot on that entire race. <laughs> um, but that, uh, you know, I was able to really feel very proud and very invigorated by passing people on yes. those hills. Oh, yes. And that's, um, I think, not to be underestimated is how much you can get from other people in the race, both mm-hmm. um, by saying things to them or having them say things to you, but also, you know, the, the games you play and mm-hmm. the, the, you know, I mean, I, I think um, we wouldn't be being truthful to ourselves if it didn't, uh, didn't if we didn't admit that it feels good to pass people. Um, or maybe that's just me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have this um, persona that I'm an energy vampire, and everybody oh. that I pass, <laughs> I suck their energy, and it makes me faster. Let's say she seems so nice, but really she's sucking the energy out of you. <laughs> Those of you in the 5K tomorrow, remember that and give her wide berth. <laughs> Um, yeah, but 
but uh, you know, I mean, I sometimes will say things out loud during a race that I need to hear. And there's yeah. nobody else who's going to say it to me. It's not like I can carry a little coach along with me and yeah. be like, you know, kill the hill, Sarah. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I mm-hmm. will say that out loud or I'll say to someone like, you got this. You're so strong. Well, I, I've never met that person before. Yeah. I don't know. And, yeah. uh, you know, and also you just get a kick from saying something out loud. Yeah. And talking to people you don't know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I don't know what other type of reflection post-race or, um, you know, what do you do after race? Do you walk? Do you run? Do you do drills? <laughs> drills? <laughs> now that is, that would be uncool. <laughs> oh, I have to do I have And it's like a victory dance, a victory dance. <laughs> after the race, well, it depends on what the goal was for the race. Is it a train through? Because it may be that you need to tack on a few more miles. Like, an athlete mm-hmm. I coach next weekend is doing a half marathon at home as a train through for New York. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're going to need to run two hours and 50 minutes. So I suggest you do some before because otherwise you're going to be tacking on after. Yeah. yeah um, so there are cases where you would need to go out and do a little bit more. Um, well, you change out of your wet clothes. Yep. You get a snack because you earned it. Mm-hmm. Nothing tastes as good as a Coke, right? Mm-hmm. Afterward, I have Coke like maybe twice a year and it's so good. It's so sweet. And so I would have Coke. If you're near a body of water, I like to get in the water. That always feels good in triathlon. You can usually go back in the water that you were in or on a trail race. Often there's a creek and that's really fun. I know last night I said ice baths are hazing, but it's still really fun to get in a cold creek. Okay. So can I tell you that? So after Victoria, after I qualified for Boston in 2014, I maybe have told this story on the podcast before. I hope not. But that, um, so our hotel didn't have a bathtub. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to go into Victoria Harbor because, you know, it was October. It was going to be a bit chilly. So I walk on in there and I have Jack take pictures of me and everything. And oh yeah, I forgot to take off my iPod shuffle. Oh, sad. <laughs> and I only use it. That's what you call those little um, yeah, things. Na- yeah, nano, yeah. yeah. Nano, nano. Yeah. And um, so was I only use it for races. So I'm like, great. I've used it three times and now it's completely <laughs> soaked. So, but you yeah. got the pictures. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. and uh, had slightly less sore legs but that's also because i did drills in the hotel hallway <laughs> yeah where the prying eyes of the other competitors couldn't see me but i did them i did them and uh i felt yeah. less horrible the next two days yeah i love the cocktail party feel after the race of getting to talk to all those people that you just sucked all their energy <laughs> and you get to know oh she's actually quite sweet i'm so sorry i drank her soul <laughs> But it's fun because you get you get to connect with people that you had told yourself some story about in the moment. But then it's it's look a, at that you appear so nice and you're telling some story. Uh, all the people that I've had, oh, she really needs some encouragement. I'll give it to her. Like <laughs> <laughs> she looks nice, I look mean. It's <laughs> uh, and it's good to make some notes after the fact too. Just like. Um, you would have been journaling about the why before. Uh, at racingwisely.com, which is a website that just points you right to the book, there are a few downloadable versions of um, like a pre-race planning questionnaire, oh. a race plan, which I really suggest. You know, It's a little late to get started on a race plan for tomorrow. You know where you're going. But for your next peak race, really suggest you go through the race plan. And then a post-race reflection. So you can find them all online. Nice, nice. So let's open it up to questions. I'm hoping people have questions. Um, yes. How about, um, as Natalie suggested, how about you come up and say it into the microphone? Oh, okay. I don't have this deep of a voice normally, so I'm Jill from Michigan, and I'm going to, I forgot your name already. The other sick one. We're sick. Robin. Robin Mm -hmm. and I both got very sick at the beginning of the week. So how do you reassess, Mm -hmm. like, I ran Monday and felt horrible and ended up with a sinus infection. Mm -hmm. And I feel okay today, but I know I'm not right. anywhere near even 90%. Yeah. And so I'm really toying within my head. I'm even going, should I drop down to the 5K mm-hmm. from the 10K? But mm-hmm. I want to be outside longer. So I'm really, I'm struggling with, and I, th- I feel like I'm talking myself sicker. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, oh, I don't think I feel that good. So yeah. can you give us some words of wisdom? Think about 
Think about the why. Like, why did you sign up for this race? What was your intention coming into the race? Because obviously the goals are pretty much out the window other than finishing. Um, and then maybe you can spin that intention into something that'll work well for tomorrow. I mean, ultimately, isn't every race both an opportunity for vulnerability, for learning, and also just for celebration of your health? Even if your health is at 97%, it's still 97%. I mean, a sinus infection isn't fun, but in the scheme of things, like, you have so much to celebrate. So much is going right. The fact that you can run it all is a major win. Like, you're already winning when you're towing the line. So I would take the reasons and see how you might spin them so that tomorrow can be an affirmation of all the things that are good, even if your nose and your teeth are hurting a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's good advice. Uh, other questions, please? Hillary from Montana. Um, how do you get over a bad run and move forward? Well, bad runs are inevitable. They're going to happen. And, um, just like a, a fender bender in your car is going to happen if you drive enough. And uh, if you run enough, you're, you're gonna get hurt and you're gonna have crappy runs. And um, it's, you have to just accept that that's par for the course, just like some days it rains and you wouldn't want it to be sunny all the time. It's when you get a whole string of bad runs together that you need to investigate your training. And that's why you keep a detailed training log so that you can see what changed. Because if you have a run of bad days, you need to look and see what's changed recently. Did I add a bunch of mileage? Did I add a bunch of intensity? Did I add a bunch of stress from some other part of my life? And then you start to see, how did that get there? But just one or two bad runs, it happens. If you have one mediocre to bad run a week, I wouldn't worry about it. But when they string together in groups of two or three, that's when you get concerned and look back at the log. Mm -hmm. And I also sort of think whether it's a physically a bad run or mentally a bad mm -hmm. run like if you're bored if um you know or whether there was a pain mm -hmm. and um i know that always having something new to listen to helps me come back after you know then i just get excited to listen to you know in the dark podcast or something mm -hmm. like that so yeah other questions yeah Hi, Carol from Illinois. Um, so we already established uh, the other day that um, ice baths are hazing, but what about heat? So a hot tub, you know, is, so is the hot water better or worse for your muscle recovery than the cool water? It all comes back to inflammation. Um, and this is part of why the most recent thinking about ice baths is like, eh, maybe they're dampening down the inflammation that's important because inflammation is sending a signal to your body, hey, y'all, help out here. And it helps draw the, um, the processes that will make you grow stronger. Uh, that said, you don't want so much inflammation that it becomes systemic inflammation. I think uh, that heat feels lovely. And if heat relaxes you, that's great. So a warm bath, getting in the hot tub for a little while, like 10, 15 minutes, not an hour. Absolutely great. <laughs> um, it, it's comforting. It's, I think that the heat is much... Uh, more psychologically soothing than cold is. So oh. I'm all for it. Most definitely, yeah. Yeah. Um, so kind of going along with what you were saying about the, you know, having a cold and not feeling like you're going to be able to race as well as you'd like to, would you address the DNS-DNF decision and whether or not that, because I think we kind of go into this these races sometimes is like that, not an option. It's, it, we look at it as failure. Failure is not an option. And at what point do we address that? You know what, especially like for some of us, tomorrow's race is a training race. We're not going for a PR. We still have a lot of training left before a race. At what point, what are the cues to make that decision, whether or not to DNF or DNS? And let's spell out what DNS and DNF stand for. Uh, do not start and or does not start and does not finish or mm -hmm. so I mean I think if you have an a, something acute happen to you during the race you know you hear a pop you, there's a sudden uh, you know very sharp pain that's when mm -hmm. you got to think long term and say I'm out of here I'm walking off this course mm -hmm. and I mean we have heard stories from our parties and such of women I mean it's just one woman who um met our I think our Atlanta party and she's and we wrote about her on our website she slipped on a banana peel in the Chicago marathon right and that was years <laughs> ago and you all remember it and she um fell pretty much probably f 
flat forward and it was mile, I don't know, 21, 22. She finished it. She had a fractured pelvis, you know? And, and I mean, um, just that was not the best decision in the moment. Um, and, you know, I, I know an editor um, from New York who um, her, she broke her hip. Like, it just snapped while she was running in a race. And it's just, you know, you hear something, you feel something super sharp. You know, I don't know, what the on the pain continuum of, you know, 1 to 10, if it's above a 5, you should be out, right? Or, I mean, I don't know what the kind of gradations is. But, sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, if it's something sudden, that mm-hmm. is definitely a sign. Um, if... Yeah, if it starts to intensify in a particular part of your body, like say your knee is hurting, sometimes you'll compensate in your stride and it'll start to hurt in another part. Like once you get a chain reaction going, I think that would be a sign to call it. Sometimes depending on the logistics of the race, you may not have much of an option. You may need to continue Mm -hmm. um, or else you're getting airlifted out of there. Um, For the did not start, I would say any fever is a no. Um, Anything that's like really systemic from the neck down, like vomiting other than vomiting from nerves, which I hope you don't have. But dry heaving's fine. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm a big big dry heaver the morning of a race. Um, But any kind of of systemic thing that's from the neck down, um, a little bit of a sniffle, you're probably okay. And then the question is, and I know this is a question that you're asking yourself, is like, is this just nerves or is this a a viable reason to stop? Mm-hmm. And it's tough. That's where it's really nice to um, have a coach and to have training partners yeah. who have familiarity with you and your habits. And if they're like, whoa, I have never heard you talk like this, then that's a sign that it might be real. And if they're like, girl, you always sound like this, then you'd be like, <laughs> okay, fine, yes. And it's just a, a check. They're like, oh, this is just the, the way that my brain plays out in the days before. And I also think, speaking of friends, I think it's important to not do things just because you've told your entire office, Mm -hmm. you've written it on Facebook, (laughs) you know, all that stuff, that there is a lot of pressure that you know that everybody's going to ask you about it. You know that, um, you know, I mean, gosh, with the website and the podcast, you know, I know know, a lot of of eyeballs on me, but you have to remember that in the big scheme of things, nobody cares about, you know, whether or not you crossed a finish line or a start line and that, um, you know, or maybe they'll you know, have a thought about you that day, but they're not going to remember it the next day and not be like, ah, oh, Heather, she's always signing up for races. She never does. <laughs> and, uh, so, so to, so to remember that it's, um, ultimately about you mm-hmm. and about your long-term health as a runner, mm-hmm. because I th- think that's, what's so important for all of us is to remember that this isn't just about tomorrow or next week or next month. It's about being able to do this sport that we love for the rest of our lives or as long as, you know, we can, keep forward motion going so yeah other folks so this seems really trivial but um about the hot and cold what about hot like as in a hot tub the day before like as pre-therapy um yeah, and, and there's also contrast where you go from one to the other, which is uh, which is kind of cool because it creates a, a pumping effect, vasodilation, vasoconstriction. Um, are you asking should you go get in the hot tub outside this afternoon? Uh-huh. Sure, <laughs> sure. I just I wouldn't sit out there for an hour doing tequila shots. That Debbie, she just struck me as a, oh, yeah. you too, obviously. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> no glass. I mean, it's not like no a bachelorette hot tub. The, near the tub, okay? You know? <laughs> Garlic clove earrings. <laughs> Tequila saves you from having your soul sucked. <laughs> yeah, I think 10 minutes today is particularly if that helps you relax. And that might be a time that you sit there, close your eyes, and think about what am I doing here? Sure. If you can put that all together, great. Um, but I wouldn't, you know, go to hot yoga for 90 minutes the day before the race. But yeah, 10, 10 minutes or so, absolutely. Great. Other questions? Kristen, you look like you have a question. Come on. You don't. Just that nice smile. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I guess if you can just touch a little bit on mental toughness, like there's those people who go out and can run so hard and they'll vomit at the end, mm-hmm. but they felt like they gave it their all. I'm the opposite. Mm. Like the moment that I'm like, ah, oh, slightly queasy. I think I'm done. 
So how do we find that line and I guess push past that mental toughness and where is it physical, where is it mental? <laughs> One of my yoga teachers describes um, the student in yoga class as either a panda, bla- a panda bear or a black knight. And the panda bears, he says he doesn't know why he chose panda bear, but the panda bears are like, like, like you're describing, oh no, I think of the snuggles toilet paper bear, like, ah, <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> and then the I black wish, knight. I wish podcast listeners had a visual with this. <laughs> I think the Black Knight is a Monty Python reference where you could hack off the limbs. It's just a flesh wound. (laughs) So the first step is to recognize which one you are. And the second step is to understand again, like I've been saying, why are you doing this? And if the idea is to get yourself a little tougher, then you're going to have to suck it up, buttercup, and, and accept that it will be intense. Um, find ways to cast that as intensity and not as pain. And I bet Sarah has some good tips here, too. Oh, I mean, I think just some really basic things. I mean, you touched upon having a mantra. Mm-hmm. I mean, self-talk is so important mm-hmm. because it is your brain that's, that's limiting your body. And um, also realize that when your brain is sending out negative thoughts, it could just be that it needs some sugar. Mm -hmm. And so because, you know, our muscles can store energy and our brains can't. Our brain (laughs) can only get energy from the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, take in a gel, um, you know, drink something at the aid station that has Mm -hmm. calories in it. Um, And... Um, just, you know, say your mantra, have a really peppy playlist. I just adore music. Music can help you get through so many things and, um, find people to pick off, you know, um, I I think, uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about the passage trilogy, (laughs) Justin Conan, um, And, uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, and, uh, but I also think that, um, there are people who do well at turning inward to mm-hmm. find strength and toughness and people yep. who do well turning outward so that, um, you know, if disassociating from it is your thing, then put a really great playlist or think about passing specific people and giving, or, you know, you're going to keep sprinting until, um, you know, the, that Aspen tree or, you know, that, um, you know, hill up ahead, whatever it is. Or there's some people who are like, okay, I really need to tune into my body and am I, you know, do a systems check. A lot of times I do that in a race. I do a, okay, you know, I think I'm tired and I think I'm sore, but let's do a systems check. Nope. Feet don't hurt. No, my calves aren't tight. Uh Uh-uh. No, my quads don't hurt as much as I thought they do. So let's turn it, turn the volume up a little bit then. Let's, there is still space to go. There's still room on the spectrum to keep pushing and really reminding yourself that it is a finite amount of time. And that I tell myself that before a race, as I'm standing on the starting line, I think right now I can breathe completely normally and I am not uncomfortable. And there's going to be part of this day that I feel uncomfortable and that my breathing is labored. But then again, during another part of the day, it'll all be over. And then when you think like even a marathon, you think, okay, that's four and a half for five hours or four hours or whatever it is out of a 24 hour day. That is a very small margin of time and that you're probably going to spend more time, you know, cashed out in front of, you know, whatever Amazon Prime, you know, Sage is recommended to you um, than than running the race. And so that um, that it is uh, just a finite amount of time and you're going to be on the other side of it. And finally, a point that I want to make is you've done so much training don't throw it all away. Show respect toward that training. And even within a race, I think about that, that um, like I think about my 10K, I really pushed really hard in miles one, two, and three. And then when it got tougher in miles four, I thought, well, I don't want to disrespect what I did in miles one, two, and three. I want to sh- honor that effort and, um, and just, you know, show gratitude toward that effort and, um, and just keep pushing. Jennifer from Illinois. So you're touching on something that I've always been curious about related to um, visualization. And so tomorrow I'll be doing a course I've never seen before. And sometimes when I've done a repeat, I can kind of get my mind around it. But do you have any recommendations on how to 
sort of do a pre-race at the sort of start line visualization about what might be coming up? Hmm. Well, you can talk to people who've done it before. That's useful. Um, where it's feasible, it's good to preview the course yourself. But this is kind of cool. You have an opportunity to be somewhere you haven't been. And you'll know this from making trips in the past. The first time it always seems like it's longer than it is in subsequent times. Like even last night when we walked up to Fleet Feet, I was like, oh, is this far? I don't know. But then we were home and just like it, we got home yeah. so quick because I had seen it before. So recognize that that will happen tomorrow. You'll be like, whoa, you know, this is long. Just because it's unfamiliar, your brain is going to process it as longer. Are there mile markers? Yes, there's mile markers for cool. sure. Cool. So that's good. And that'll help you break it down. And do you run with a watch, Jennifer? Yeah, so your watch will be useful mm -hmm. there too. And also, I sort of think about think about how you feel at certain points mm. of a race or run, so that oh, by mile three, I've kind of settled into my breathing, but that's when my quads start to hurt. Mm -hmm. And um, so, thinking about ways you can oh, okay, well, maybe if I do you know do a couple prancy steps that'll help loosen things up prancy um, steps, prancy I like steps that. I, i'm uh, visualizing that um that just you know ways you can get over um that and also you know think about like oh okay well i usually get pretty tense by about mile five mm -hmm. so at mile five i'm gonna really think about what sage and dimity said in the podcast about you know um you know straightening up with your shoulders keeping you know making sure your elbows are coming down close to your body whatever it is so think about physical things that happen to you and how you're going to um, counteract those or deal with those as they're happening. Um, yeah. So I'm here with my sister and she's a non-runner and hearing us talking she turned to me and said I'm never going to run. <laughs> <laughs> Broken hips and you know everything else. But um, no I, I appreciate hearing all of this and I just want to kind of share more of an experience that I've found to be really helpful to me in a race is to get outside of myself and to offer gratitude on the course and to say thank you and I think a lot of people do this you know where it's like you see the the safety people that are there, you know, and I just say, you know, thank you. And yeah. the person that's handing me water or Gatorade, and I just say, thank you. Mm -hmm. And I had one of the best races I've ever had when I set the intention mm -hmm. for that day to be saying I was injured, so I knew it wasn't going to be a great mm -hmm. feeling race. And I look at it as one of my best feeling races yeah. because I just was so thankful to mm -hmm. people on the course. And I think I also learned that from volunteering at races, mm -hmm. and I really recommend that. Um, because it is really hard to hand somebody that's going really fast a cup of anything. <laughs> yep. um, yeah. And it just made me really humble and grateful to think, you know, people are out there doing that in support of me. And also, if you've ever had to go hold a sign or try to track mm -hmm. people down on a course, mm -hmm. um, it made me give uh, a lot more um, respect to my husband who tries mm -hmm. to meet me at certain points. And I used to think, why isn't he not there? How'd they miss him? And I'm like, it is hard work. Mm -hmm. So anyway, just staying in a mind of sort of being grateful, not just for being able to be there, but for all the people that are making it possible. That's lovely, and that's a good way if you're not feeling well to make it not about you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Jennifer from Boston, and uh, going back a couple of questions, I think it's possible I might be a black knight rather than a panda. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect it. I'm not sure. Um, so do you have any advice for the black knights among us? <laughs> for the too hardcore <laughs> be clear on the goal like why why are you there is there a certain pace you're trying to meet and if so that might involve consciously holding yourself back at the beginning so that you can finish with your wits still about you instead of pushing yourself to the pain just a Princess Bride reference <laughs> to keep things kind of vaguely medieval. Now we're mixing Monty Python yeah. and Princess Bride. Yeah, <laughs> because the Black Knights will kind of go there and they'll they'll psych themselves out to like to the pain, and then it. Yeah, Sarah, go on. Oh no, I I was yeah. I was hoping you had more stuff because I um that's not a problem I have going. No, it's not really my problem either. I'm a sandbagger. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I am, and I'll start. Uh, too slow on purpose and then I'll start to cut the sandbags because I got some souls to suck you know <laughs> that's the secret to soul sucking is you start slow that's so funny I never thought of that that's what sandbagging mm -hmm. you think see yeah, I was taken off with the sandbags and then you cut them and you can soar higher 
Oh, that's interesting. Oh, see, I was it's a ballooning. You, a ballooning. See, I always thought it was a flood reference. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Because I always say that Molly's a sandbagger, and so I thought it was kind of you know protecting yourself and building it up. Yeah. Um, but I, yours makes a little more sense. But I like that. There's I might be imagining <laughs> that it's a ballooning reference. I don't know. That said, my um, PR in the mile. Uh, Weirdly, I ran in Ironman training. How weird is that? On the track um, with my girlfriends. And one of them led me out too fast. Mm. Like way too fast. I didn't really know what I was going for. I thought maybe I would go for like a 615, a 6'10", something. And she took me out at 81. Mm. I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Wait, so that means 81 for her lap. Yeah. So, and let's all do the math. 81 Uh, times Way faster. Yeah. Uh Yeah. And, uh. But then I was able to hold on, not to wow. the 81, but I came in at 603. Wow. And like, that's pretty good. And if I had started at my sandbaggers pace, uh, it would just been another 615. Yep. Yep. Because you can't bank yep. that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's not just knowing that you may be a black knight, <laughs> but recognizing how you might be able to use that to your advantage. And the distance of the race really depends there. In a 5K or in a mile time trial on the track, going out fast is actually a pretty good strategy. But in a marathon, it's a recipe for disaster. So the, there are times when it's useful to be a black knight and then times when it's painful <laughs> to be a black knight. Yeah, the missing limb is really kind of... <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Any other questions? Well, thank you very much. This thank you. Thanks enjoyable. for having me. Yeah. Very fun. Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. BarkBoxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first BarkBox. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love for free because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a six- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com AMR. That's BarkBox.com AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com AMR when you subscribe. That's StoryWorth.com AMR.